Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Lesbian. Gay. Bi. Questioning. Queer. Intersex. Asexual. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I, th- I think we forgot one. Oh, you're right. Oh, well, I guess now we need to devote this entire episode to the T then. Transgender. It's episode 79, putting the T in LGBTQIA+. It's the Pride episode. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. Texas is going after the parents of trans children. That's according to a new lawsuit filed by the ACLU and other organizations. They allege that the Lone Star State is now investigating these parents. Governor Greg Abbott has called on, quote, licensed professionals and even the public to report parents who seek gender affirming care for their kids. Welcome to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Reluctantly Andrew. Uh, my name is Positively Maddie. <laughs> well, that's a whole... We gotta, we gotta talk about Pride, Andrew, today. Woo! Okay, go ahead. Um, and welcome to episode 79 of Friday the 13th. Today, it is Pride Month, and as annually we do, we are here to celebrate alongside with you. I think that rhymed on an accident. But, uh, Maddie, how are you doing on this lovely Sunday, the 12th of June? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm doing, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's June. It is, uh, I live in the land where the sun never goes down. Um, seriously, <laughs> I'm not used to the sun here yet. Um, the sun stays up in, in the summer, like for a very long time. And so like me and all my American friends here are just like, we like, we're like zombies. We're like, we don't sleep ever. We just sleep for an hour a night or so. Um, but that, that gives me good energy, right? Keeps me manic and ready and happy and ready to go. Um, yeah, I am good. Andrew, how are you? I know you're you are you are the latest victim of COVID. I understand. Yes, I, I am on the recovery bandwagon, so I apologize for any extraneous coughs or sniffles. I'm on like day six of my my journey. I'm pretty much fully uh, recovered with a little bit of ancillary symptoms, but um, good news is that I caught it early, and you know we we I had a. a Reluctantly, I had a conference last weekend, and I'm pretty sure that's exactly where I got it, even though I was masked the entire time and didn't even want to go to the conference. Work 
uh, beckons, if you will. So, um, you yeah, know, look, it. you, you, you avoided it for, for the entire time. Yeah. And so yeah. it finally got you like it gets everybody anymore. I think at, at <laughs> least the, the good thing is at least you got it when it's clearly in its, you know, not deadly form anymore. Yeah. And I'm obviously vaxxed and boosted and all that good stuff. So, you know, the traditional medicines and I kind of just went through it for a couple of days, but I'm feeling better. But oh, I apologize for my voice. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to apologize for that. That's not what sorry's for. Um, Andrew, I just did the calculation. This is our actual, it's our fifth Pride episode, if I'm not wrong. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and now 2022. Woo! Isn't that crazy? I love yeah, it. That is, that is crazy. Five, <laughs> Actually, five, five years of pride on Friday the thirteenth. Um, no better podcast to celebrate it. Uh, you know, folks, if this is your first time with Friday, we are the podcast that looks at horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBTQ perspective. So, when it comes to this particular episode each year, um, we really love doing it. And this year, as you heard in our. Uh, amazingly hilarious skit as they always are every single episode um we bring it to you every ball <laughs> thank you exactly um we are uh, we're focusing on our transgender siblings and so we've got some really great stuff lined up specifically about transgender folks um andrew's got some really great stuff on representation in the media which i think is really cool um and i've got as usual the more depressing angle <laughs> which is um all about um you know all about just some stuff but look there, there's there's also um plenty of reasons to hope i'm really careful about not using the word optimism anymore because <laughs> i'm just i'm not an optimistic person really but hopeful yes hopeful yes i think that's a bit of why we actually do this podcast in the first place is because somewhere um in the deep belly of our souls we actually do have a little hope and andrew i'm going to destroy your hope for a minute Woo! By giving you, yeah, let's go, girl. Yes, I'd be proud of you. Terrifying. Certified <laughs> terrifying corner girl. Um, so I've got three things to bring to you. Um, here's the first one. Uh, so look, we've already talked about the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. If you don't know about it right now, I don't think you're an actual human being. Um, but since that occurred, Andrew, there have already been more than 20 mass shootings in America. And there's nothing on the docket for Congress right now. So yeah. uh, that is um, that is expected, isn't it? Yeah, I. Um, this is actually where I don't have any hope, <laughs> um, if mm -hmm. I'm being honest. Um, yeah. There's just so much tragedy in the world, and we're so far down the rabbit hole the other way. I don't know if we're ever going to dig ourselves out, if I'm being totally honest, at least here in the U.S. It's just so... <sighs> I hate saying the word politicized, but it's just so it is. Yeah. It, it's so out there that it, it's it's almost impossible to come back from at this point. And I don't really know what to do. I've spoken my piece on this many times, and it just seems to go on on deaf ears, just like everybody else that's kind of speaking out against it. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Bummer. Um, that's 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 just the sad state of things, unfortunately. Um, number two is Boris Johnson, who is the Prime Minister of Ye Old England. Um, last week, and we are recording, by the way, on what what day is this now? It is the twelfth. twelfth. Um, you'll hear this on the 17th of June, I believe. Uh, Boris Johnson last week faced a vote of no confidence in parliament. 
somehow that slippery motherfucker who also has a starring role in our intro music, as you heard him there. He says, the doomsters, the gloomsters, blah, 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 whatever else he says. Um, <laughs> Boris Johnson faced a vote of no confidence. He won the vote. Um, so he is still the prime minister of England, even after it has been proven that he was going against the rules for COVID that he set himself, he and his government set for the people of England. So while people were getting fined and this and that because they were getting caught having a party or going here or going there, motherfucker was doing it the whole time on his own. And he's still the prime minister. Everyone's so like, is this, just because I'm not as, as familiar with laws uh-huh. and everything over there, is this the equivalent of impeachment over there? Uh... A, a little kind bit, of. It's, but it, but it's not quite as difficult to do it, right? Got in, it. In fact, okay. I'm not I'm not actually sure if 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 the UK has like an impeachment sort of like thing process. What 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 it is is um because because it's a parliamentary system and not you know the way that that America does it. Um the the the, the party if they get enough letters turned in by different uh, members of parliament or MPs, uh, going to like like the head of the party saying I don't have confidence in the prime minister then it triggers a vote. The vote has to happen really quickly. So often it will happen on the same day. Um, And then the prime minister makes a case to the MPs and then the MPs vote yes or no. We have confidence or we don't. And um, he won this. Um, And if, if he had lost it, then he would have been no longer the prime minister. There would have to be another vote very quickly to get a new prime minister from that, that, that party that, that has the majority of parliament seats. Um, and then they have a new leader. I mean, it's really pretty simple. Like, th- this is also why, like, you know, the way that I just described that, that is so much easier than impeachment. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> ridiculously easier. It's another reason why, like, the way that America does Congress, does legislation, just boggles my mind. Like, a parliamentary system is so much better because it's just, it's easier to make change happen. But that's neither here nor there. We'll see what happens to old Bojo and his very strange hair in the weeks ahead. Um, Andrew, one specifically for Pride Month is um, this one just happened yesterday in Idaho. Um, no, Udaho, actually. Udaho. It's not even funny. I think, in this, I think in this duo, we all know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that is true. Um, anyway, I'll tell you more about that later. I did just re download Grinder for the first time since 2016. I'll tell you more about that soon. Ooh, um, <laughs> oh, wow. Let me tell you, no, nothing's changed. Anyways, uh, this one here 31 American terrorists were arrested yesterday on the 11th of June in Idaho, uh, and they are all from the terrorist organization called Patriot Front, um, which is like, you know, Proud Boys and and the Three Percenters and all the rest of the weird fucking wackos out there in America. Um, they had planned this attack on the Pride event that was happening in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which, by the way, if you've never been to, is one of the most beautiful places in America. It is absolutely stunning Coeur d'Alene. It's a beautiful place. Um, These people drove, I'm not even joking you, across the country, 31 of them in a U-Haul trailer. They were all in a U-Haul. It wasn't a camper, didn't have windows. They were in a U-Haul trailer together across the country. Why? I I, I could not tell you. They trained for it. They did all this crazy shit. And why Idaho? I couldn't tell you. I, I really don't know. Um, but they were going to go attack some, you know, pride event for the local pride, whatever. Probably wasn't even that many people. But luckily, somebody, somebody like in the neighborhood 
saw them getting out of this U-Haul, 31 fucking weird dudes in masks carrying guns. And they were like, hmm, this doesn't look right. Seems suspicious. Um, maybe I should call ye old police. And then they did. And luckily the police got there and fucking like got them all arrested. Um, so really, really weird story. It's it's really still developing as of this morning when I saw it. And I was like, oh, I got to mention that. Um, so you know what? What better way to celebrate Pride Month than, you know, arresting some terrorists who are about to, to attack a Pride event. Um, so, yeah. Um Weird, but then I'll just mention one more quick thing too. You know, Americans, you know that on prime time they're they're airing the January sixth like hearing things. Um, you know, I checked out the one that aired last week. You know, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but they do have some good videos that they're putting out that are really interesting to watch. Give them a watch. You know, a lot of it you probably are already like, well, you know, you don't have to sell me, but it does kind of show you like really how because this is stuff we've never seen before until now. It shows you really how close that day was to being something very, very different. Um, and I think as people who like horror movies, I don't know, maybe you might like it. <laughs> it might be right up your alley. It was for me. Anyways, Andrew, that's the certified terrifying corner. Let's hope the world gets a little less scary and let's move on with the show. Yeah. So pride. We're here again. We're representing at least our corner of the flag. How are you feeling about pride this year? Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, if I'm being honest. Give it a thought. Tell me. Well, okay. Can I run something by you? Of course. So I've been seeing in... You also, know, Andrew, Andrew, what if I was like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, okay, goodbye. No. Um. So I've been seeing a lot. And, you know, this has been, I would say, over the last decade as corporations and TV networks and, you know, all these different areas of our everyday life kind of embrace pride and show kind of, you know, that uh, I was just thinking the other day we were watching something on HGTV and there was a little pride they changed their little rooftop on their logo to the to the pride flag, and um, you know I've seen a lot of people's criticism of this like corporatization of pride, and I I totally get it. I get it on one side of things, but then like this little devil sneaks into me and he says, "Well, if they didn't do anything, wouldn't we also complain?" So I don't. I'm struggling with that a little bit. I don't know if you've thought about that at all, like a uh, kind of like representation on areas that don't necessarily, you know, like, let's say like, I don't know, uh, uh, Target, for instance, yeah, yeah. Uh, Target, you know, has like a pride section during June, you can go buy your rainbow stuff. Um, but they're also face a lot of criticism for that. But they also like are like a top 100 company for like LGBTQ rights in, you know, according to like the the glad thing that happens every year or whatever. Yeah, sure. So I don't know if you've struggled with that at all. Yeah, I mean, of, of course I have. I, I I think that I do, especially because I, you know, I work in, in corporate America and, um, you know, e even in Ireland I do. Uh, it's... Uh, I was on our CRG at work, our community resource group. It's called a business resource group. I was I was the leader of the LGBT one. Um, you know, for for a company that that has over a thousand employees, and that, that's at a really, you know, I took that really seriously. It, it was important to me to hire more people that were um, LGBT. It was important for me to 
um, you know, sort of keep a watch on policies that were going forward and thinking about like, you know, when people are, are off for, for, uh, for parental leave or if people need leave for this or for that, or, you know, how do people keep safe at work if they're not out yet? How do we handle that sort of stuff? Well, I mean, we dealt with, with quite a few things. Um, and you know, my company doesn't really like yassify itself at pride. Um, we like, you'll never see our logo with like a, a rainbow overlay. Like we don't, we don't do that kind of shit. Um, because we feel that we live it out through our values, right? And and I think for me, that's what makes me feel great about where I work. I think sure. that um, you know, for other people that work at like a bank or that work at like a whatever, I think maybe it's a little harder to like feel that sometimes. And sure. so, like you know, I I think for it just I think it just depends on it depends on where you work, and and I think that for some people it means a lot means a whole lot. And for other people, it doesn't. And, you know, for me, like, I don't think I really care anymore as long as the company that's actually, you know, doing it, that's like rainbow fine itself all over the goddamn place. Like, if you're going to do that, then you need to like, take that seriously. Like, you're going to put this thing on, you're going to put on this costume. Like, is it, is it a costume or is it like an outfit? And if it's an outfit, okay, cool. Because to me, that means like, all right, this is what you put on in June. Like I put on, I put on my, you know, different gay stuff in June too. Neat. But like, are you taking care of your employees? Are you hiring more LGBT people, especially trans people? Are you taking care of them with policies that that make their lives better? Are you helping us get more wealth in our lives? It's a very important thing for LGBT people because we've been kept away from it for so long. Um, you know, are, are you helping us get security? Are you helping us get this? That, yeah, I, I could go on and on and on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's what's important. And, you know, but, you, know we, you gotta look at one, one other thing too, right? So like Netflix, for example, I don't think that Netflix does like a rainbow logo. At least I don't think they do. Um, but like, you know, lest we all forget, like everyone, like, and even me for that matter, like I, I haven't canceled my Netflix subscription. You know what I mean? Right. And, Lord knows I loved Heartstopper when it was on and I'm still watching Netflix shit now. But like when they were making fun of trans people with Dave Chappelle and sticking behind him, I was up in arms about it. Do you know what I mean? So like it, I think that it, it's one of the, I didn't mean to go on this long about it. Sorry. No, no, no. It's complicated. Um, it's, it is. And, and I, I think the other part of it too is like ethical consumerism, you know? Yeah. I just, and I've talked to a few friends about this. And like maybe Maddie, when he was 30, believed in it. Maddie now does not. Because I look, it doesn't matter where the fuck you spend your money anymore. Like, I mean, you can you can make some choices, don't get me wrong. Like for sure. Like you don't oh, have but to deep to- down that rabbit hole, there's always something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, do like you don't need to go to Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry, you don't. But like will will the dollar that you spend on blah 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 probably go to something that you don't like? Yeah, most likely. And so that that's the thing. It, it's like when um, the Joe Rogan thing happened on, you know, Spotify and this and that, whatever. And it was like, well, you know who else runs Joe Rogan? Apple Podcasts. <laughs> like, I didn't see a lot of people going suddenly, hmm, not going to listen to Apple Podcasts anymore. It was just like focusing on one thing. And so I, I, I don't know. It, it's I just I just think in this crazy world that we have where money is the queen, like, I don't I don't know what 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 choices we really have anymore. Yeah. No, I just 
And honestly, I think it's people just being snarky on the internet, like that are like criticizing these things because they yeah. think it's funny to like be snarky on the internet, which, you know, it is. But um, I don't know. It just got into my, it, got, it snuck into my brain today when we were getting ready for this episode. And I was just wanted to kind of maybe, yeah, sure. See what your opinion or any of our listeners' opinion is on kind of, you know, the corporatization of pride and whether we think that that's a positive in the, in the, in the right realm of how we want to do this or if we think it's like a, kind of uh more i don't know posthumous more yeah. devilish activity i don't know it's yeah. just something to think about well, i think it was something good to think about andrew and it's also good to think about your savings and loans right now and have you thought about getting a, a checking account with bank of america that sponsored this episode no I'm <laughs> they, they didn't that's funny they didn't with their low that. low rates no i'm just <laughs> could you imagine if, if we like really did an ad like that i would literally oh my god the show would be axed all right. Well, um, speaking of yeah. representation, um, I was looking at um, NBC News ran a report called Presence versus Representation. And I thought that that was that that headline struck me. And I was like, wow, that's actually something really to think about. Um, you know, uh, the LGBTQIA plus community makes up about 4.5% of the U.S. population, according to this. I believe this was from 2020. Sure. So, you know, keep in mind, you know, it's, it's about a year or two old. Um, but uh, according to the Nielsen's inaugural report, there were about 6.7% of the top 10 recurring cast members in the top 300 programs on broadcast cable and streaming platforms in, in 2019. Sorry. Yeah. So this is from 2020. The data is from 2019. Um, and then the LG, the report also found that 26% of the top 300 programs included at least one cast member who identifies as LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting to look at that. When we look at um, presence, which is a person identifies as LGBTQ on a on a uh, TV show versus representation, show. which means that they represent a segment of the population. It's just something to think about. So Harvey Guillen, who is an openly gay actor on FX is what we do in the shadows. I actually met him in Richmond, Lovely. Virginia. Uh, very nice person. Um, I believe they go by they, them. So I'm going to try to correct myself there. Um, so uh, they said that um, we've come so far, but we have so far to go. It's great that there are more queer actors in queer roles in living rooms consistently, but getting more people of color of different gender expressions and different body types across different genres is our next priority, they told NBC News. Just as the world builds their perceptions of, LGB- of the LGBTQ community from the media, we LGBTQ people also form our own identities from the media. Well, I'm really glad that he said different body types. Yeah, I totally agree. And we'll get into that when I talk about my uh, what you've been watching, bitches, but uh, we'll get there. Um, So I I just looked back at broadcast television. Um, I mainly looked at broadcast television because that's what um, a majority of America has access to. It's what Um, the people watch. Well, it's what they have access to immediately. Like if you don't have cable or whatever, this is like what you still can have on TV. Um, So in 2012, only about 4.4% of all characters that were expected series regulars uh, were LGBTQ. Looking at 2020, 2019 and 2020, we're up to 10.2% of all characters on broadcast television identifying as LGBTQ, which is great. Um, But then that led me to go back to the title 
of what uh, the, the the news article that I read. And how much of that is just presence on the show? Yeah. And how much of that is true representation where they actually do get storylines, where they actually do have meaningful parts in the show? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's just something to think about as we see the increase in representation, which is fantastic. So happy to see that it's up from, Jesus Christ, 4.4% only 10 years ago. Um, to think when we were, uh, you know, 20 i mean think about 2012 that's like prime time for us and and it was only 4.4 percent of characters on broadcast television identified as us so no wonder we had so many things that we wondered about that couldn't get answered by you know watching you know watching things on tv or in pop culture um and just to see how much that's increased in just 10 years is pretty incredible i like i said i think harvey has a great um perspective on this that we you know we do have come so far but I think that we um, here at Friday the 13th always feel more is better. <laughs> well, I mean, without a doubt. I, you know, I think the other thing that this uh, data points to is uh, it, it's pointing to the fact that that having presence and representation of LGBT people in media is lucrative, right? Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, look, it ain't, ain't none of these people charities <laughs> that are making this <laughs> shit. So like they're they're looking at the trends and they're going, oh, right. If we do this, more people will watch it. And yeah. like and and I, you know, I, I, I say that not to be cynical. I actually think it's a really good thing to think about because, you know, that's generally what will help when it comes to like non-discrimination ordinances in different exactly. cities or whatever, because when businesses hear that it means better business, that's when they're like, oh, hell yeah, sign me up. Well, and also, I think that a lot of people growing up that don't have representation around them are going to learn a lot of their um, understanding of the community from pop culture or from what their people around them tell them. Of course. So I think to have representation of that community, especially as we start to transition into our, our talk about transgender people, understanding the true understanding of what it means to be transgender is going to shape a lot of minds going forward and it will only either help or hinder how those people are treated in the years to come. Yeah. I think help. I think help because just, you know, the, the more that people can actually finally see it see it and like you know it's 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 back to the old adage of like you know you, you don't support it until you know someone right mm-hmm. and you know like look there are still there's still people out there that don't know a transgender person you know right. we're not we're not those people but they're still out there and if you can get somebody to come close to it even by you know sort of quote unquote knowing somebody by like a character on a show Hey, that's not bad. It's something, it's a step toward it, right? So I hope that that is something that helps. Yeah, for sure. So that's my report. That's my State of the Union on representation. I think that's a great one. Um, Cool. Uh, Well, you know, let's get depressed. So um, look, it's, it's, uh, look, uh, there is plenty of hope going on. You know, Andrew, I think, you know, what you just said right there is hopeful, right? Um, but for, for transgender folk right now in America, and I mean, look around the world too, but, um, uh, it, it, we're talking about America in this specific context, fairly bleak time. 
Um, and it's it's interesting because there's a New York Times article that came out yesterday, I think, uh, on the 11th. Um, and the headline is, Report Reveals Sharp Rise in Transgender Young People in the U.S. That's the headline. Mm. And, <laughs> I don't um, like that headline. <laughs> yeah, because it's awful. And what they did was uh, Pew Research just released um, a new study um, and it's basically about like transgender experiences in America right now. Um, and they released it, I think, on the 7th of June, so just in time for Pride Month. And um, they collected experiences from, you know, a bunch of different transgender people across a wide spectrum of ages and, you know, the races and locations, blah, 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 whatever. And part of what they also collected there was just a little bit of like demographic information. So, you know, how old are you? Where are you? The, the usual kind of bullshit, right? And and what it obviously said was that you know when it when it comes to people that are identifying as trans, um, that most of them are young. That's it, right? And uh, and like, look, if if you're an idiot and you don't know how to interpret that data, then you would say what the New York Times said, which is sharp rise in transgender young people in the U.S., which is an awful headline because it gives people on the right the fuel that they are looking for to say that like progressive people like us, you know, and probably you listening to the show right now, that we are literally creating transgender people by doing this, right? Right. And that's obviously not the case. Instead, what is it? It's just pretty much that young people feel more comfortable being who they are because right. likely of the representation, <clears throat> you know, that that you pointed out in your in your data. Yeah. So that the 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 Pew research uh, uh, that that came out um, said that about 5% of young adults in the U.S. say their gender is different from their sex assigned at birth. Um, so, of course, they identify as transgender. So, um, you know, look, I, I think it's cool. I, I think it's amazing that, you know, we we are in a time where, you know, young people are feeling free enough to look at their gender and and, and understand their own identity. You know, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, and uh, a, a, a few more stats here that, that we should think about is uh, uh, about 42% of Americans know a trans person. That's up from 37% in 2017. So, you know, not a bad rise, but only 5% um, sort of matches the young adults, if you think about it. Um, but that still means that a majority of Americans don't know a trans person. Right? right. And so that is, you know, all the more likely that they won't support equality for trans people. And when it comes to that, there is a deep partisan divide, as you might imagine here, Oh, you um, don't also, say. Right. <laughs> also from Pew, um, 59, 59% of Democrats agree that greater acceptance of transgender people in society is good. Now, just think about that, though. 59%. You would maybe expect today that Democrats would be more like, I don't know, 90%, you know, right. something like that. <laughs> but they're not. 54% um, of Republicans agree that greater acceptance is bad. Now, I've got the same argument there, too. For Republicans, you might expect that number to be more like, I don't know, 90%. You know what I mean? So it is kind of an interesting like, like crossfade, almost, if you think about it. Like, why don't more Democrats support this? And also, why don't more Republicans not support it? It's kind of a weird thing, right? And then there is this 30% of people out there that don't agree whether it's good or bad, which I just, <laughs> I just look at these people and I'm like, 
what are you, who are you? What do you mean? (laughs) Are you, are you even thinking about anything? But you know, there it is. Now, look, there, there are more problems here than, than just those. Um, I think that we need to remind our listeners that a majority of American states, um, when we count in territories, which, you know, are an important fucking thing because I don't know, people live there. Um, so a majority of, of America, let's call it that, um, it is uh, either low or negative in the ratings from Movement Advancement Project, a really amazing think tank that puts together some incredible infographics and data all about LGBTQ equality. You should look them up if, you're, if you've never looked them up before. Um, really incredible stuff. So there are 24 states and four territories that are either low or negative in their rankings uh, when it comes to gender identity. Um, the thing about the, those localities is that nearly half of all LGBTQIA plus Americans live in those locations. So it really matters. Um, a reminder too, look, there still is no federal equality act, even though it's been promised by fucking everybody <laughs> from <laughs> Clinton to, um, to Obama for his two terms to Biden, who is here now. Um, it still hasn't happened yet, which is absolutely fucking insane. And that means that there's no single full comprehensive federal protection for LGBTQIA plus people in America. It doesn't exist. It's not there. It's state to state to state, or sometimes just city to city to city. And that means that people don't get the same rights when they travel from Chicago to Indiana, which is a half hour trip, right? So, you know, look, a lot of you know that, but I'm going to guess a lot of you also don't know that. And it's something to really think about when we're holding our administration accountable. You know, we should be talking to Joe Biden and say, look, yeah, there's plenty on your plate right now. But guess what? This also needs to happen. Like, you can't let let this just slide by because everything else is going to pot. Like, if you don't get this done, Lord knows what will happen. Um, Some other things. And this is from Human Rights Campaign. Uh, Transgender people face crime and violence at elevated rates. 54% have experienced intimate partner violence, or you might call it domestic violence. 47% of trans people have been sexually assaulted. That's almost That's insane. It's almost half of transgender people. It's absolutely just terrible. Transgender people live in poverty at elevated rates. 29% of trans people live in poverty. It's almost a third of the, of the entire community. But when you break that down, it's 39% of black trans people. An astonishing 48% of Latinx trans people, my Lord, 35% of American, Indian, Alaska, Native, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islanders, oh, I got that whole thing done, 35% <laughs> of them live in poverty. Those are rates that are well beyond the general populace and well beyond queer people in general as well. Um, it's something that we have to really think about, right? Trans people also have attempted or committed suicide at a disproportionately higher rate than their queer counterparts. And from McKinsey, who I really hate, but they did actually have a good report on this, about transgender people at work, transgender people twice as likely to be unemployed, number one. Um, Trans employees make 32% less than cisgender counterparts, queer or not. And half of all trans employees are not comfortable being out at work. So, I mean, look, that that's a lot to, to give you on your plate, I know. Um, but, you know, I gave you a fork. You're just going to have to eat it. There's some sauce. Um, give, it a, give it a try. 
uh, because it's important stuff to really know, you know, as, I, it, and, you know, I, I give everyone this, I give you this, Andrew, in, in spite of a month that I hope is happy for everybody. And I hope that is full of celebration um, because I think that we have to remember it. Right. You know, we, we can't just party and have fun and not remember, you know, our siblings who are who are going through tough times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a few other things here, you know, it bleeds right over into into society and, and into policy. Uh, the, the shooter in, in Buffalo, um, uh, his last name was Gendron, whatever his first name was. Uh, but The Guardian reported that Gendron also argued that Jews are behind the movement for transgender inclusivity, uh, supposedly sponsoring. My God, supposedly sponsoring transgender summer camps for Scandinavian style whites. Now, number one, look totally unhinged. We got it. But I don't know what that means. Girl, I mean, look, no one knows. Um, okay. They, I didn't know if that was something. They, they should just throw him off, off, of a, off of a cliff as far as I'm concerned. But um, the thing about, about that, that that's important is remember, the Buffalo shooter was following replacement theory. Where does that come from? It comes from Tucker Carlson and all the boys over at Fox News. And so this is part of what is at the root of replacement theory. It's not just about black people. It's not just about Jews. It's also about transgender people too. And there are more fucked up people like that dude that are looking to go do some shit. Now, listen, in a couple of states that I picked out in America, in Texas, you know, Andrew, you brought this one to me, Texas State Representative Brian Slayton, he's going to file a bill in the next session that in 2023, it would ban minors from attending drag shows. I mean... Think about this. That's they where your priority lies. They're, right. they're, they're, they're not dealing with a fucking shooting of, of, you know, a bunch of kids. They're worried about what minors are going to tra- to drag shows, which, by the way, um, not many of them. And you want to know why? Because they're in bars. That's why they're not going to drag shows. But, you know, whatever. Um, and then also Texas's new law. Uh, it's got an injunction on it. But Governor Abbott sought to hold parents of trans teens responsible for child abuse. My yeah. God, it's absolutely insane. They're keeping lists of people right now in America. Yeah, and there was just a yeah. a couple that is being brought against child abuse charges because their um their their uh, transitioning child uh, attempted suicide and was uh, put in a psychiatric hold, Ugh. and they're being um, blamed because uh, they were helping the child transition. And That's it's just disgusting. awful. Disgusting. That, that, I mean, that is some fucking like, uh, you know, Margaret Atwood shit right there. Uh, in Alabama, a ban on gender affirming care for transgender youth. It took effect in May. Uh, it's a crime punishable by up to 10 years to provide pu- puberty blockers. In South Dakota, a ban on trans youth playing on sports teams. And in the halls of Congress, Paul Gozar of Arizona, he tweeted, uh, this is from The Advocate, tweeted last week that the shooter in, uh, in Uvalde, uh, Texas, the one that killed the kids, he tweeted that he was a transsexual, literally, he said, in quotes, a transsexual leftist illegal alien. That's what he said. He's a congressman, one of the most powerful people in the world. Uh, and then, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know that bitch always got some fucking crazy ass <laughs> shit to say. So infamous for her unhinged rants, she's also embraced those same conspiracy theories. And she thinks that we are out there to groom children uh, to get them on the LGBTQ plus spectrum, and that straight people are going extinct. Sure, sure, Jan. <laughs> now, you, you help me with that logic. I don't understand it. So look, I'm going to stop ranting at you with a bunch of statistics and weird shit uh, just to say that, um, 
you know, look, I, I said earlier that you, you, we have a little hope, right? Maybe not optimism, but we, but we have some hope. And certainly in our community, there are many things that you actually can do to help trans people. And I think that the biggest thing that you can do is you can just stand up for them. <laughs> Number yeah, one. Yeah. And if somebody around you is saying something stupid, you should shut it down immediately. Shut it. I don't care if they're gay, straight, black, white. I don't care who the fuck they are. Shut that shit down and get it done. That's number one. And number two, you can donate to different organizations. You can donate to, to, to organizations like Gender Cool that works with, with transgender youth. You can donate, if you're in Chicago, to the Howard Brown Health Center, um, who does amazing work with transgender folks around, around, around health care and, and inclusivity and equality. You can donate to uh, the, the National Center for Transgender Equality, NCTE, amazing group. If you're here in Ireland, you can donate to... Um, uh, NCTI, the National Center for Transgender People in Ireland, I think is the name of it, or to belong to that work with with young people. Um, those are things that have you know direct effect on making people's lives better, and you should consider it. Yeah, and uh, this is what I'll say is it is so hard to live in this world just to begin with. It is so hard to remain happy in this world to begin with. So if, if somebody <laughs> If somebody doesn't feel right in their own skin and that's what they can do to be happier in the little amount of time that they have on this earth, because let's be honest, we could all be dead tomorrow Yeah. Um, for a number of reasons. How about we just let them do that and let leave them alone? Just <sighs> let Andrew, people live their lives. My God, stop it. Your, your lips to God's ears, my friend. Um, look, uh, before we close this segment, it, it is pride. I hope, uh, Andrew, I know that you join me in this. I hope that everyone just has an amazing pride. In fact, I hope that you're drunk as a skunk and wearing basically nothing right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, or that you're like dancing around. I hope, you, I, I, what I hope is that you're actually in the club. Um, your friends are there, you're having a drink, but you're actually, you have your ear pods and you're, you're listening to us instead. That, yeah. that is what pride <laughs> should be, is just listening to this show. <sighs> All right. I think that will do it for our horror in real life section. We will take our first break and we will be right back with a very queer what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hope you're ready for uh, a fun segment called What You Been Watching, Bitch. Um, anyways, listen, if you're new to our show, this is the segment where we talk about everything that we have been watching since the last time we met for an episode. So we're going to go into that right now. And Andrew's going to tell us the first thing that he has been watching. Go ahead. Yeah, the first thing I have watched was actually a live show. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, yay. Um, went to Broadway in Chicago and saw Six, which, if you don't know, is about the six wives of Henry VIII. And it is styled in a way to where it's kind of like they're a girl group. And it's kind of like a concert or a competition of like who had it the worst. And, you know, that sounds like a weird kind of thing to kind of go into but as the story evolves you get to understand yeah, the sure. true meaning of of the show but if you get a chance to see six it is so fun um for the um subject matter it's actually very uplifting um and i would recommend this to anybody i think you could even take kids to this uh, oh yeah uh, I, I just think it's a really uplifting and positive experience of a show and guess how long it is 
I know. It's short. It's I saw it. It's only 70 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I saw it here in Dublin, actually, and uh, it, it's great. Uh, another fun little thing is that uh, a woman that we went to college with, that Michael and I went to college with, uh, is is in the Broadway production. Actually, Andrew, a funny little thing for you right now is uh, the Tony Awards are tonight, as you know. Oh, and yeah. uh, Abby is her name, Abby Mueller. She's a wonderful actress uh, and fucking funny, too. Um, she was supposed to perform with Six at the Tonys tonight. And she got COVID today. So she cannot perform on the Tony Awards. Can you believe that? This sickness sucks. <laughs> I know, but 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 I'm so glad that you saw it. It's it is it's a wonderful show. It's so much fun. And like you, when it was over, I was like, oh, bless the Lord my soul. That's a short thing and it's good. <laughs> no so intermission. It. It's amazing. Oh, yes. Well, good. I'm glad that you saw it. Congratulations. Um Good for you. You win the sixth award. And yeah, you can bring kids to that. Like my, my friend has brought her daughter like eight times to it. It's fucking crazy. Um, the first thing that I watched is uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, it's on Disney Plus right now or whatever. I think it's on Hulu as well. Um, it is fantastic. Um, have, you, have you seen it yet? No. And I, I, if I'm being honest, I know the name Tammy Faye and I kind of understand like the very surface level of like the stories, but I don't really know much about it. Let me tell you really quickly about it. Tammy Faye is Tammy Faye Baker, who was the wife of Jim Baker. Uh, they were uh, some of the first big televangelists in America. They had a network called PTL or Praise the Lord. Uh, and look, J- Jim Baker was a total criminal. He he embezzled money and like used it to buy a bunch of crazy shit and fraud and all this other stuff. So he did actually go to prison for a time. Um, Tammy Faye, uh, th- this is this is about Tammy Faye's story. And Tammy Faye was just this you know poor girl from you know down home. I forget what state she was actually from, but from down home wherever. Um, just grew up loving the Lord, being a Pentecostal kind of thing. You know, speaking in tongues, whatever. Um, and she just, you know, she had a mom who was really not, not great, um, who didn't really love her very much. And, um, you know, she just fell in love with the concept of like this God who just absolutely adored her, um, and unconditional, unconditionally. And she just, she just loved that. She, she needed that in her life. Um, and she, you know, loved makeup and she loved to, you know, look, look fun and have it, have a good time. And she really believed in like this like version of like Southern religion that was actually happy and that wasn't about fire and brimstone. And um, she was actually really, really revolutionary too in little ways Um, on PTL. She had this, this little talk show and there is this really amazing moment during the AIDS crisis where, you know, remember who she's talking to. She's talking to a bunch of Christians during the eighties on TV. She had on uh, an HIV positive gay pastor and and had him on her TV show and had this discussion with him. That's amazing, and you should go listen to it if you can. Huh. And um and like she she weeps during it, and I I cry during it. It's it's you don't expect it at all. Um and they they dramatize this in the movie where Tammy Faye Baker is played by Jessica Chastain, who was brilliant. Like Andrew Garfield was okay as Jim Baker. He he wasn't bad for sure. But Jessica Chastain was fucking like a, a, a revelation for me. She was so good in that role. Um, so yeah, I, I I couldn't like it enough. I just thought it was really incredible, um, and just something really, man, it was out there. So I highly recommend watching the eyes of Tammy Faye. 
Yeah, I, I definitely want to check that out. I think it's 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 on like everything right now. I've seen it. I think so. Yeah. Um, but cool. Uh, my next one actually just came out this week. Uh, I've only gotten to watch three episodes, so that's going to be my judgment on it so far. Um, but it is the new Queer as Folk. I don't even know if you knew this was a thing, Maddie. Uh, I, I did. It's it's funny. Another person that we went to college <laughs> is in that show. Um, I have not watched it yet, though. Uh, Queer as Folk is the, uh, I guess I would call it a reimagining. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's not, sure. a, it's, not yeah. a, it's not a sequel. So it takes actually, um, the, you can watch this on Peacock right now. They actually, <laughs> it's really funny when they, <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing when they, they when the headline comes up and it's like, Peacock presents the underlined cock, which I thought was really okay. funny. All right. That, that's funny. That's funny. Um, but um, this is a reimagining. It follows a group of uh, kids in uh, New Orleans. In uh, they, uh, it's basically about this kid Brody who comes back from med school because he's kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know if it's revealed like if he's failed out or if he's just bored with it and comes home. And then an inciting incident happens and it brings all of these people kind of closer together. And I don't want to give away what happens. Sure. Um, it is. It, just pay attention to the warning before the episode if you are triggered by certain events because it is a triggering event. I mean, that's what brings all these people together. Um, what I will say of the first three episodes, it's definitely, I was not expecting, I mean, Queer Folk was definitely like sexy. Like it had its moments of like showing queer sex on, on TV. This is just as graphic. Um, wow. There's a lot on here. Um, what's cool about this uh, compared to the original series uh, that the cast is much more diverse, um, much more representative of kind of the whole community. Um, what I will say, though, is I'm hoping that they give some of these ancillary characters that are representing different like, uh, for instance, there's a guy that's in a wheelchair and he he doesn't have his legs. Um, it's not said like why he doesn't have yeah, legs up to sure. this point in the series, but they're not really giving him much to do except for be like kind of a sassy side character. Good. Um, and I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that they give him more to do. There's certain characters in the show that I really hope that they let shine a little more because yeah. as of right now, it's only concentrated on kind of like the core, I don't know, three or four people. Um, and those are the least interesting people in the bunch, if I'm being honest. Oh, but that sucks. Um, uh, so far, I, I think it's a little uneven. Um, like I said, there's a pretty bad incident that happens, and I don't know if they're going to really... I don't know. Just, there's something about the tone of it that I don't think that they've kind of settled on if they're going to be more like sarcastic and comedy-driven or if it's going to be more hard and gritty-driven. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I've only watched the first three episodes, so I think they maybe are settling into themselves. But definitely give it a chance. It's it's Queer's Folk. I mean, if you watched on Showtime back in the day, you know what it's about. And I think that it's great to see a better, more well-rounded cast on this version of the show. God, I, I remember when Queer's Folk came out and... Um... I, I mean, and, sneak and, watch and, it with my well, thumb and, on the return button. <laughs> right, right. And of course, this is the the U.S. version, not the U.K. version on Channel Four. Um, and uh, you know, it was a, it was something so new then. It, it really was. It was something very, very new for us. And uh, yeah, I, I that was a part of my little gay youth. I remember that for sure. Um, my my next one here is uh, an older movie. Uh, I believe it's from '96. I think um, it's called Wild with an E. Um, and that is about Oscar Wilde. And this oh, is, okay. 
um, uh, sort of the the biopic about Oscar Wilde, starring uh, Stephen Fry as Oscar, and starring Jude Law in one of his first big roles as uh, Lord uh, Alfred Douglas or Bosey for short. Um, it is uh, it's a really it's a really good movie. You know, I, I think if you're um, if you're of the persuasion and uh, in your into literature at all, I think this is a, a really uh, good look into the the life of somebody who was really quite revolutionary at a very strange time. Um, and I, I have a great affinity for Oscar Wilde. And I, I, I have since I was very young when I first read The Importance of Being Earnest and um, some, some of his other plays. Um, and, you know, it's it's especially lovely to live in Dublin, where there is a monument to Oscar Wilde in um, in Marion Square Park um, by where he used to live. Um, and it's beautiful. It's a really good movie. I, I think if you haven't seen it before, you should. It's maybe a little anachronistic in some ways now because it's just, you know, it's a little bit old and dated. Uh, but I think that Stephen Fry's performance still shines through so well as Oscar Wilde and Jude Law as Bosey. He's he's fantastic and he's hot as fuck because he's super young. Um, and like, so is everybody else. It's, it's a lovely film. I think it's a great one to watch during Pride Month, especially. Um, so if you have never seen Wilde, highly recommend it. Go watch it. Yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, check oh, it out. Oh, I should say it's on Amazon Prime, by the way. Okay. Uh, my next one is uh, on Hulu. This is yet again another... I'm keeping it pretty queer here over here. Yeah. So, um, this is the uh, Hulu original movie, Fire Island. Um, this follows a group of friends that are going back to their annual trip to Fire Island, which I don't think me nor Maddie have any experience with. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that after you say the synopsis. Um, but it's basically about them going back and they're discovering that um, kind of the house that they go back to is going to be sold. And so this is kind of like their last hurrah on the island. And um, what's great about this is that we have uh, further representation into kind of queer culture and what it means to be um, not white um, and being gay and how that's seen in our community and somehow how it's being how it's being treated and how even in our own community uh, people that we want to be part of our our circle can be othered in certain ways. Yeah. Um, so it follows. Uh, m- m- they're mostly Asian, um, but there's a couple of other people in there. I believe there's a Latinx person. Um, so it's kind of just like a, an eclectic group of friends that um, uh, all their story is that they all worked at a brunch place on Fire Island at mm. one point, and that's kind of mm. how they became friends. Um, super funny. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of this. It was just uh, so, I don't know. It was really fun to see a different style of comedy represented in our kind of queerness because yeah, sure. I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen this kind of movie before. Um, I think we've seen versions of it, but to give these voices a chance, I think was really special. And I, I really enjoyed it. I know you can't get Hulu over there, so I don't know if you'll be able to see this eventually or no, not. No, but but Hulu things come come on. They they go to other things here, right? Because I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know who owns Hulu, but it ain't Hulu. So it goes to like it goes to now or it goes to Disney Plus. It just kind of like gets siphoned here and there, um, and it, it is available here on now. Actually, um, I'm I'm glad to hear that because I you know I saw it and I I didn't watch any trailer or anything, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to watch that because. Um, like you said earlier, we're, we haven't gone to Fire Island. I'm not a Fire Island gay. And I think that like the people that I know that are Fire Island gays 
are just not my kind of gaze. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I've never. I I I often say fancy gay, and I I've never been that, and I I've always felt kind of excluded by those people. Um, and it's interesting that we talked about like body issues and other things before. Um, but, you know, like in, like in representation, I mean, um, mm-hmm. like and that's like specifically why I like I've always felt excluded is because like I let's just face it, gay men can be really awful about bodies. And, well, about, and they do they do explore that in the movie. I'm glad. And, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it's I I, I loved it. I, I I saw this stupid thing on the internet, and I yeah. saw that it went viral that the, the movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test, and I was like, can you please stop? Can you please stop? Like that was not what the Bechdel test was designed Before. to yeah. do. Uh, this is the first, like one of the first times that we're seeing uh, queer representation in Asian culture on like a, a very high like program, like sure. put out there. Yeah. So just shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. He bringing the shade now. Uh, my next one is uh, called Dating Amber on Amazon Prime. This is an Irish film. It's a queer film. Uh, it's a really cute little movie. Um, it's about um, like like uh, like ninety. Oh, what year was it? Fuck, like 94, 95, I think, somewhere in there. Really um, going back these days. I know, right? Uh, but like, ni- like 1995 Ireland, um, sort of just south of Dublin in, in Kildare. Um, and it's about uh, these two um, these two kids. Um, totally forget the guy's name now. I can't remember his name. We'll call him Bob. Bob, sure. And of course, Amber. And um, they are both, uh, they're both gay. Um, and Amber really knows that, that she's a lesbian, Bob or whatever the hell his name is, um, is still just like trying to figure it out, but he's having a tough time with it. And, you know, it, they're in secondary school, um, high school, and, uh, they are, you know, going through that thing where like, you know, his guy friends are like, Hey, did you kiss anybody yet? Did you fuck anybody? And like, he's feeling weird about that. And like, she's like worried about being called a lesbian cause she's, then she's not out yet. And so, you know, one day she goes up to him and like, she's like, hey, we're going to date. That's how it is. And no one's going to know that we're gay. And he's like, okay, cool. Got it. And so that's their little like beard thing that they get going on. Um, And it becomes like this little like lovely exploration of like, you know, they find out a lot about themselves by doing this fake dating thing. Um, And it's really cute. I I, sounds sweet. A friend told me about it and um, and highly recommended it. And I recommend it to you. I, I think it's another great one, of course, to watch during Pride. Um, and, you know, as as ever these days, I'm bringing you the Irish hits. So here's another one that you maybe you haven't really heard of before, too. Um, so I would give it a watch. I, I thought it was really, really cute. Um, the guy the guy that plays the guy, his name is not Bob, once again, is 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 Fionn O'Shea, who's been in who's, he's been in a lot of stuff um, in in Ireland and in the UK region kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend it. Dating Amber, Amazon Prime. Cool. Uh, and I think our last one is one that we both share. Oh my god! And probably it's, everything everybody else shares too. Yeah, it's Stranger Things. Stranger Things season four, volume one. If they could yes. get any more complicated about it. Um, um, here's what I'll say about it. Um, I think that the main storyline is really good and really interesting, and I'm liking what they're doing with it. I think that there are some storylines that we could just simply not have, and it would make for a more entertaining show. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just saying, for me, um, the Russia stuff just is not interesting to me. And I just, every time 
time they cut to the Russia stuff, I'm just like, can we go back to the kids stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. Because I just want to know what that storyline is playing out. And I just want them to wrap things up with kind of the older adults. Um, just because I, I don't think that that storyline is strong, if I'm just being honest. I, do, I don't disagree with you on that for sure. I mean, I, I, I really love this season. I, I thought it was just well done. I think that the music is fantastic. And, you know, everyone has heard about now how Kate Bush's running up that hill is like number two on the charts, which is amazing. Um, and uh, I, I, I just love the return to Hawkins. Yeah. You know, I, I like think that I, I, what I really like about this season is that they're actually like giving them more to do. Like there's, I, yeah. I, I feel like in the, in season three, I got like just tired of like the mind flayer and like, come on, like get, let's get on with yeah, it. Like it what else much. is there? Yeah. So it was interesting to see kind of the, their new approach to this season, but yeah, I've really been enjoying it. I don't know what they're going to do to wrap things up because there zero was pretty, idea. Like, I don't know. It was pretty, uh, I don't know how to say it. Like there was a lot revealed in that last episode that we now are left with. (laughs) I I, I am also interested to see what they do with Will. Um, There, there's a lot of you know, you know, sort of bunch of us out there conjecturing like, oh, he seems a little gay, doesn't he, for Mike? Um, It seems like there's just a lot of longing stares. Which, yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to explore and and kind of see because I I feel like it's kind of going that way. And look, Mike's never going to go for him. I think we all get that, but like. It'll be interesting to see a, a gay character on the show in the 80s. I mean, that's just how it is. Um, a, another thing, Andrew, you're going to kill me for saying this again, but another college friend of ours is on this show. That's three in a row for this uh, episode. Um, Ira Amix plays one of the police officers. Um, and I, I'm not going to give a lot away here, um, but I'll, I'm sure you've already seen it anyway. Um, but uh, there's one particular action scene where Ira is the only cop with the kids and he has to like shoot some people. That's not giving away that much. Trust me. Um, Ira's great in it. I've never seen him like do action before. I got to tell you, he fucking rocked. It was really cool to see. I just, I was, I was, I was laughing watching it because I just couldn't believe it was Ira doing that with, with that, with that cast. It was really, really cool. But yeah, I loved it. Stranger Things. I mean, come on. I've I felt happy watching it again. Yeah, I I, I think I, did, I don't know if you saw, but like the last three episodes are like movie length each. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, oh my god. Like, I don't know. I I think it's I, it for me. It, it the story feels a little bloated right now. So I'm hoping that they can kind of um, bring them together again. So it feels like a little more. <laughs> I'll tell you what, they better because this is one of the most beloved series of all time. And if you end this thing wrong pitchforks my friend pitchforks yeah. and torches are coming to the netflix headquarters that's all i gotta say um andrew let's wrap it up shall we yeah um, andrew you brought us uh number one we, we both watched stranger things duh um but then you also saw six broadway in chicago but you can see it in a number of different cities around the world so you should go see it you also brought us queer as folk on peacock uh and fire island on hulu and Maddie brought us Wild on Amazon Prime, Dating Amber also on Amazon Prime, and The Eyes of Tammy Faye currently on Disney+. Plus. Wonderful. Well, Andrew, let's take a break. You get yourself some water, COVID boy. And um, we'll do our first movie, which is Dress to Kill. Brian De Palma invites you to a showing of the latest fashion in murder. Dressed to Kill. Doctor, I am not paranoid. Bobby has threatened me over the phone. She said she was going to hurt me. My patient was slashed to death and my razor's gone. There's all kinds of ways to get killed in this city. 
if you're looking for it. Dressed to kill. Murder. Made to order. Rated R. I hope that you've come out of the closet dressed to kill. <laughs> Andrew, tell us about our first film. You're invited to a showing of the latest fashion. Murder. A mysterious tall blonde woman wearing sunglasses murders one of a psychiatrist's patients. And now she's after the prostitute who witnessed it. Directed by Brian De Palma, written by Brian De Palma, distributed by Filmways Pictures. Dr. Elliot is played by none other than Michael Caine. Kate Miller. <laughs> Kate Miller is played by Angie Dickinson. Liz Blake is played by none other than returning to the show for the third time, Nancy Allen. <laughs> Um, Peter Miller is played by Keith Gordon. Detective Marino is played by the forever cop Dennis Franz. <laughs> and Dr. Levy Levy is played by David Margulies. Rated R comes in at 104 minutes, was made in the U.S. with locations around NYC and Philadelphia. was released on July 25th of 1980 and with a budget of $6.5 million, grossed about $31.9 million. Maddie, tell me your experience with Dressed to Kill. Yeah, so you know, this was not my first time seeing it. Um, but I, but I, while I was watching it, I was like, ah, when did I last watch this movie? And I felt like, man, maybe I watched it for the podcast, and we ended up not doing it. Does that ring a bell for you? Maybe. Like I, I honestly think I did, Andrew, because I, I, it was coming back to me, and I was like, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but anyways, um, yeah, dr- dress to kill, um. Oh, dressed to kill. Look, it's got Michael, it has Michael Caine in it. Um, it has fucking Angie Dickinson in it. Hello, Nancy Allen. I mean, oh, look, I just I'm rereading the cast that you just said, aren't I? Um, the the cast is pretty incredible. It was what I'm really trying to get at here. And yeah, the more the more things I see Nancy Allen in, the more I'm just like, I love this bitch. <laughs> right. And I, I think because of that, like um the acting in the movie is actually really, really good, right? Um, and, and I think that the directing is also good too. I think the music really sucks, but Hey, it was 1980. This is the kind of shit that happened. Right. So that's, that's okay. Um, you know, look, I think the numbers speak for themselves in 1980, it grossed 32 million bucks uh, off a 6 million budget. That's a huge profit in 1980. Um, and Michael Caine said yes to it. And at that point in his career, he wouldn't have said yes to just, you know, anything. Um, I think Brian De Palma probably had something to do with that, I would imagine. As we will talk about, clearly this has some problems, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it, uh, there's a certain amount of wrestling with the issue that I think is interesting in the movie. Did you uh, get yeah. that feeling a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think at this time, everyone was uh, kind of trying to figure out what transgender meant uh, in in that time in existence in 1980. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I I think that it wasn't necessarily understood to its complete form, but just by the fact that they sit down and explain a pendectomy, it shows that he, he was trying to do something here. And whether you see that as successful or not, and whether you think that this is problematic or not, at least he was trying something, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, look, I, we're, look we're, we're two, you know, mostly cisgender people here talking about this. And so I want to be careful about, you know, what, what we're, you know, presenting as truth. And I think everyone's out there is smart enough to know that we're not doing that, for God's sake. 
but I think that you're right. And, and, and that's, that's kind of what I walked away with was, look, it was just such a fucked up time anyway, but there, there are certain speeches that occur, you know, during the movie where it's like, they're trying to figure this, this out. And, yeah. and it's through this unfortunate venue that they are doing that. Let, let's not get that wrong. It's an unfortunate venue for doing it or vessel or whatever you want to call it. Um, but nonetheless, you know, look, there's the effort. Um, and in that time, you know, it put, it put it in the brains of at least some people. Um, you, you know, look, I, I think that Michael Caine does, does a great job in some really fucked up role. Angie Dickinson and Nancy Allen are fantastic. Dennis Franz is, um, as you said, you know, has he ever played anything else? I don't. <laughs> I don't think that he has. I will say with Dennis Franz, his accent was weird in this movie. Did you get yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I he he has a couple of line deliveries that I was like, what are, what are we doing here? Because the the rest of the movie is, for lack of a better, it's not it's not fantastical in any way. Like it's played pretty straight. But you go to him and he's like, ah, oh, tough fucking cop. Like he's yeah, he's right. over the top. Like when everybody else is kind of more muted, which I found was an interesting directorial like way of. But I guess we only saw cops in one way in 1980. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think it makes sense. But yeah, his 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 accent is very very weird. Um, I really enjoyed the the weird ridiculous computer that Peter built. Like, yeah, what is that? <laughs> I, I, I literally wrote in my notes, "What is this crazy computer?" Because um, he says it, it it carries and it holds numbers, and I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, there were computers then. I just want to point that out, Peter. Um, you could have just you know bought an Apple IIe if you wanted to, but you know whatever. Um, that 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 part was definitely odd. Um, let me tell you the first 30 minutes of this movie, I did not know what was going on. Yeah. I was so confused. Um, you know, we definitely follow kind of a Hitchcockian, uh, uh, story here to where we get our, our main actress, uh, Kate, right. Is the, is the woman at the beginning. Um, and we kind of are led to believe she's our main character. We're going to be with her throughout the movie. She has this, uh, very... I stand by my Carrie opinion that Brian De Palma is one of the horniest directors out there um, based on the beginning of this movie. I did not understand the beginning. Uh, Did you understand the beginning where she's in the shower and she's like kind of uh, caressing herself while watching her husband shave. But then there's also another guy in the shower and it's a dream and then they're having sex and then he just, leaves i was i was so confused i don't know if yeah you that yeah i mean it was it was definitely strange um i mean you know A- A- angie dickinson who, who plays kate has you know a very long and storied career um and you know she was around for a, a long time she was in you know so much and she was you know one of the most like beautiful women of the time that kind of thing um and so you know people had a hard on for her all all over the place um and uh, you know, I, I, I don't really know, you know, what, what, what to say about it too much. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a dream sequence, right? And, um, th- there is something to think about later on when Dennis Franz is talking to, uh, Michael Caine before we know Michael Caine's a fucking freak. Uh, when, um, he says, you know, did she have a death wish, this woman? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I wrote that down. I was like, death wish. That's a really interesting way of thinking about like sexual liberation. You know? Sure. Yeah. And so I think maybe the movie tries to like, just sort of extenuate that 
I don't know, that thing through the dream sequence. Like, I guess it was so strange. She wants to be sexually liberated. She needs to be, you know, whatever. She needs this thing because she's not getting it from her, you know, goofy husband, um, who we never see his face. Um, We're not getting it from him. You, we do. We see his face. He picks we up Peter. He picks up Peter at the police station. Oh, we do. Oh, well, it would have been better if we had never seen his face. I just rewrote it. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's a long way of saying maybe it's that. Yeah, and I also found it very interesting the whole museum segment of this. So we follow yeah. Kate as she goes to the museum, and a, a man sits long down next sequence. to her. Woo, a long, long, drawn out sequence, um, where she, a man sits next to her, and she gets in her head all of a sudden that it. Listen, I don't really understand her her true uh, what she's trying to do here because she clearly shows him her wedding ring, and then she follows him gets weirded out he follows her gets weirded out she yeah. drops a glove he picks up the glove they try to return it to her she runs away she throws away her other glove and then he's in a cab saying here's your glove come with me and then they have sex in the back of this cab and <laughs> continue to have sex all afternoon apparently uh it's a very weird sequence where nobody talks and i i we were getting a little frustrated on this end if i'm being honest because there's so many times where you just you just say excuse me excuse me mister or mrs uh i have your glove or yeah, hey i'm trying to talk to you and they just never talk and i just it's so strange. Uh, Brian De Palma, you continue to um, delight and confuse me. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it might have been his hand at Hitchcock, too. You know, yeah. like, I mean, it was it, 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 it's in the style and it, it's the, you know, the sort of camera shots that Hitchcock would have used. And, you know, I, I think that maybe he felt that keeping it nonverbal added to the drama of it. I, I, I think that, you know, we, you know we, we always do an older film. So it's, it's, it is fun to think about, like, what the audience would have thought in 1980. Right. And they, they probably would have been very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, uh, uh, enthralled by it. It, it might have really built the tension of the scene to not have any words. You know, but yes, yeah, I, I mean, I could see it. I, I, I agree with you. It's it's one of those things where you're like, uh, this is this is odd. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I laughed out loud when she found that paper in his drawer that said he had VD. <laughs> oh, my God. I I once again, back to our notes that we write for this shit. I wrote down, oh, no, VD things <laughs> laugh out loud. Um, it's totally, so funny. It's so <laughs> funny. She's like has sex with this guy like uh, what it's meant to be is like multiple times. She's trying to sneak out of his apartment. She's leaving this cute little note. And then right before she leaves, oh, you have VD and need to contact the following people. And it was just like oh my and gonorrhea, the usual, right? Uh, yeah. Sorry, honey. Oh, no. um, and then we get kind of our, our Hitchcock twist to where Kate is murdered by a blonde woman in an elevator by a straight razor, which is pretty harrowing. Um, I thought that that whole sequence was really well done and really visceral. Yeah. Uh, and then we're accidentally like in a lot of these kind of Gialli style movies, uh, given our, our accidental protagonist, uh, as Nancy Allen, as the, uh, the escort, uh, accidentally is in the same place at the wrong time and witnesses part of the murder. And for some reason picks up the straight razor and carries it throughout the entire know, apartment like, building girl put the damn thing down for the love of god um and then she's implicated in the whole thing so obviously then the police get involved and she's kind of it, it turns into her story um it was refreshing to see nancy allen um in this role compared to 
uh, the Chris Harginson role in Carrie. We just watched that sure. movie two episodes ago, so it was just stark difference to see her in this role where she's much more um, liberated sexually. Yeah, but um, but Andrew never as good as RoboCop. <laughs> I haven't seen RoboCop in forever. I know. Um, uh, there's definitely a lot of problems with uh, how they depict sex work in this movie. Oh, of course. And uh, he he basically he calls her, "You might be a Park Avenue whore, but you're still a whore." Um, so a lot of a lot of bad stuff in there. But w- it's funny because when you look at the other side of it, when she's uh, kind of lining up jobs, she's also on the phone with her. Uh, what would you call that? Her trader or whatever. Yeah, she's trying. Broker, she's trying broker. to. She's trying to buy stock. So she's like, she's trying to make a living. She's trying to like really. So it was cool to see in 1980, sex work being treated halfway respectfully. Yeah, that it's, any it's honestly kind of normal if you if you get when you, when you get right down to it. Right. It was interesting to see that because I had not seen that depicted in that way. Kind of. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was an, it was a it was a choice. Nancy um, Allen was nominated for three awards for uh, Just to Kill. Oh. She was she was nominated for a Golden Globe for New Star of the Year in a Motion Picture, um, and then she was also nominated for the Golden Raspberries Worst Actress and oh. for <laughs> something called the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. I've never heard of this before. Also for worst actress, I think that they were very wrong with that. Quite frankly, oh no, I thought that especially when she's um, attempting su- to seduce the doctor at the end, like that's like a pretty awesome like little monologue that she gives. And I, I wrote down, I, I thought that this was really funny um, when she's like, uh, he was like, "What kind of men are you attracted to?" And she's like, "You know, the mature doctor." I know, types. I know, it was lovely. <laughs> and then um, she's like, he's like. I, but I'm a doctor. And she's like, well, I fucked a lot of doctors. And he's like, well, and I'm married. And she's like, fucked a lot of them too. And I was just like, that's so good. It's so good. Um, you know, there's obviously some uh, problematic things when it comes to transsexual, transgender understanding in this movie. Um, I think it's definitely better to say that uh, our, our, our main killer here is actually suffering from probably dissociative or multiple personalities, not necessarily uh, transgender in the sense that we know it now, because yeah. he, he truly does switch personalities and doesn't understand when the other half is doing yeah. doing the, things. This this is not gender dysphoria. Like, like yeah, exactly. This is something very, very different. Um, I did like... Um, so I had never seen this movie before. This is a first time watch for me. Um, unfortunately, the twist had been spoiled over the years. I just... You just kind of know. I don't of know. Of course. Like, it just kind of happens in the zeitgeist. But um, I did think they did a good job of trying to disguise him. I think they did. Not, for sure. Not really, like, show his face and trying to, like, keep the mystery alive. Um, I thought it was interesting. I didn't understand when he gets shot that she was actually being tailed by another police officer who yeah. coincidentally they dressed up exactly like the killer. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but, um, and then, you know, we get the end, which is kind of the, uh, psycho explanation over explanation scene yeah, where they, sure. they tell you all about it. Um, and I was like, okay, movie's over. And then it's not. <laughs> Then the movie just keeps going. Um, I thought that the scene where they're at the restaurant and she's kind of explaining to Peter what was going on and the, the woman that's sitting next to them and her like clutching of the pearls. I, I know. Thought, so hilarious. 
um, acting chop go out to that lady because she stole the scene in that moment. It, it, it was it was just like pure good direction right there. Just well done and also fucking comedy. Comedy gold. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, but the movie then goes on to a scene where Peter and, um, who's Nancy Allen's character's name? I can't remember. Uh, Liz. They go back to his house because she doesn't want to be alone or she says she wants a vacation, which I think, okay. Um, and we get an extended sequence where, uh, Michael Caine's character breaks out of the prison, um, steals a nurse's uniform, kills a nurse, and then makes his way to the house. Well, it's not really because it's all a dream. It's and, a dream. It's a nightmare, actually. And I just said to myself, well, Brian De Palma only knows how to end movies one way uh, because this is the exact mm. ending of Carrie, if you yeah. don't remember. <laughs> Essentially, yes. Uh, where she wakes up in terror and she's being kind of, uh, what do you call it? Um, Peter is attending to her and he, she, everything's okay. But right before that, you had the scene where she gets her throat slit and you think, uh, it all was for nothing. But alas, it is a dream. Brian De Palma does it again and fools us all. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, Brian De Palma. Um, um, I, I did, I was yeah. taken aback by that. I did think she was actually dead and I was like, yeah, damn sure. it. But um, he, he got me again. Couple things about the movie. Uh, Sh- uh, Sean Connery was offered the role first. For, of Michael Caine's character? Yeah, yeah, for Dr. Elliot. Ooh, that I don't know re- if I see that. That would have really changed the dynamic of this movie. It would not have worked. I think I think Michael Caine was was definitely the right choice. Um, as a young man, Brian De Palma f- uh, followed his father and used recording equipment to try and catch him with another woman that inspired this movie. There you go. Much like Peter does. In the- right, right, right. <laughs> um, Angie Dickinson said on The Tonight Show uh, with Johnny Carson, of course, uh, that uh, of all the movies she was in, this is one of her favorites, or this one is her favorite, pardon me. It's huh. funny that she loves this movie so much, a movie that has been decried by many critics as misogynistic, uh, and she hates policewomen, which is seen by many as turning point for feminist television, being the first police procedural that starred a woman. Of course, that's all direct from IMDb. Um, so that's interesting. This was Angie Dickinson's favorite film. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that I did see in this is that we do get a clip of the actual Phil Donahue TV yeah, sure. show. Um, this was part of what Brian De Palma used as inspiration for kind of the uh, Michael Caine character. Um, this was a very famous Phil Donahue interview with a, uh, a then transsexual woman by the name of Nancy Hunt, uh, who was a celebrated war hero that everyone didn't everyone was like that's a manly man like how can this how could he ever do this like how could he ever transition um and he famously went on the phil donahue show to explain what their experience was um this i should say nancy hunt was not without um her flaws because of course uh as a uh man early in in life uh she was very uh anti um anti-women and anti uh hippies (laughs) of of the time is that um but famously went on phil donahue to help explain uh the plight of transsexuals of the time and i use the word transsexual because that's the word that they were using that's what they were using yeah um but yeah interesting way of looking at 
how we understood transgender of the time. Like I said earlier in the episode, definitely not without its problematic moments. But at the same time, as as problematic as it is, there's also things in here that really do shine as a a beacon of hope for 1980 that this would even make it to the screen. Um, and I mean that by kind of, you know, having even the word transsexual in your movie or having your main character be a sex worker, which for the time you didn't see that. So, you know, I, I have to give tiny applause here and there. Well, Andrew, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this, this little, this little nugget up. Um, give it a rating and tell us what you thought. So for Dress to Kill, I said this one's tough because the mystery and story are actually pretty well crafted, even though the result is pretty problematic and the beginning and the ending really don't make a lick of sense. Um, I Out of uh, seven stripes of the gay old rainbow, that's how we judge your things at Friday the 13th, I gave this a four. I also gave it a four and I said through the lens of today, italicized, it's terrible. But it also feels like a film that was wrestling with the concepts at hand. So we had the same rating for this movie. And Andrew, let's see what the rating will turn up for for our next film, which we'll talk about in just a moment, Sleepaway Camp 2. There used to be this camp about 60 miles from here, Camp Arawak. All these kids started getting killed. Well, it ended up that the killer was the shy 14-year-old girl that everybody picked on, except she wasn't... You're supposed to be in the cabin. Let's go. Wait, what happened to the killer? Whatever happened to the good kids in the world? Oh, (laughs) don't talk like that, Uncle John. There's lots of good kids. We just have to weed out the bad. Remember, ladies, nice girls don't have to show it off. Where's Phoebe? I had to send her home. I found her doing things with the boys last night that she had no business doing. I know the rest of you are nice young ladies and you won't get into any trouble. Let this be a lesson to you. Say no to drugs. Camp Rolling Hills is the best. being the wicked witch of the west hey but i know what happens when things get out of control you're gonna tell good night campers are you a happy camper well these people aren't it's sleepaway camp to unhappy campers maddie tell us all about it When you go camping, just take the essentials. Angela Baker, a psychotic transsexual, escapes from a mental hospital and surfaces at a summer camp as a counselor who lectures her teenage charges on proper moral behavior. Those teens who break her strict rules from the camp chatterbox or a sex-obsessed girl to the boys who are peeping toms are murdered by the imposter in various gruesome ways. 
as more campers go missing, intrepid counselor Molly begins to piece together the truth. Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers is directed by Michael A. Simpson, written by Fritz Gordon and Robert Hiltzik, produced by Double Helix Films, and distributed by Nelson Entertainment. Angela is played by Pamela Dam Springsteen, Molly by Renee Estevez, Sean by Tony Higgins, Allie by Valerie Hartman, TC by Brian Patrick Clark, Uncle John by Walter Gotel, Mare by Susan Marie Snyder, and Rob by Terry Hobbs. It is rated R. It's 80 minutes long. Love that. Uh, it's a U.S. movie, of course. It was released on February 28th, 1988, uh, filmed in Bremen and Waco, Georgia, and there was no budget information available for this Oscar-winning film. <laughs> um, so, Andrew, tell me what you thought about Sleepaway Camp 2. Uh, first, I have some... <laughs> Does Molly begin to put together the truth? <laughs> yeah, you know, look, I, I didn't write it, you know? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, no, what I will say is that this movie has one of the most iconic uh, kind of film sleeve slash poster yeah. uh, that I always remember seeing at the video store. Um, it's got a camper on it who's not even in the movie, but she has uh, kind of Freddy's glove in her in her backpack and Jason's mask, and so... As a child, you see this in the uh, in the horror aisle, and you're like, "I gotta know what this is all about." Sure. Um, and then you go into it, and it's a completely different movie. <laughs> but um, you know what I will say about Sleepaway Camp Two is it it takes the um, the insanity of the original Sleepaway Camp and just dials it up to ten on yeah. the kind of uh, ridiculous side of things. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. But what I will say is they are at least they stick with it. Like, you know what I mean? It's never um, feigning in what it's trying to be. It's not trying to be anything it's not, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I think that this movie is totally fun. It doesn't even skip a beat the entire time. There's action happening at every moment. Um, It's cast of characters are, of course, kind of our atypical 80s teens going to summer camp and, um, you know, uh, Angela is there to kind of police them and she does so in the most ridiculous ways possible. Um, I actually like this better than the first one. If I'm being honest, Um, I just think that it's, uh, it it rests in its ridiculousness and it's just kind of a fun movie. Um, You know, we did pick it for the pride episode because, uh, you know, Angela is a, a, a transgender person in, in the movie uh, has fully committed and uh, has fully transitioned at this point. However, I will be remiss if I didn't say that God, once again, we took this really good opportunity to maybe explore something more. And we just turned her into a murderer, which is not great, but oh, yeah. for, for sure. I, I think everything that you said is, is true. Um, I mean, there's, it's, I mean, come on, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, you're, you're right when you say it takes the insanity of the original and just dials it the fuck up. Um, and you're also right to say that it sticks with because it does. And it's just kill after kill after kill after kill. Um, and, 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 and Angela that becomes more psychotic all along the way. Um, you know, it, it is kind of fun when, when, when it begins and, and when you first hear the main counselor is Angela, you're like, oh, right. It's, it's, it's the same name as Angela. Right. <laughs> right? <It's> like, <laughs> and then, and then you're like, oh, oh no, no, it is Angela. That's what it is. 
Uh, and also, look, this this movie is full of lines, like ridiculous lines. Um, like, uh, what's what's one little nice girls don't have to show it off, right? Uh, wait, what happened to the killer? And then somebody goes, he's in Hollywood playing the dark haired girl on the facts of life. Um, or, or the doctors gave him a sex change and our parents' tax dollars paid for it. I saw that. I was like, oh, young Republican. (laughs) Well, you know, I, and that, and that is something to point out, right? Is that I do think that in some ways, you know, as problematic as the film is, like, I'm not going to say that it's not, but like, I think that there are some ways where the film is making fun of that. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and that's clearly a line that is without a fucking doubt. Um, and then also to stuff like the Tit Patrol. That's who. I mean this this movie is full of things that are just like, oh my god, they that's what they just said. Yeah, perfect. yeah. I, I'm um, a happy camper. I love to drink and fuck. And if you pay me money, I'll <laughs> on my titties you can suck. That's the yes. shit, sisters. Um, but also too, like you know something about Angela is like Angela is awful. You know it, she's just absolutely terrible. Clearly, like, she's a killer. She's whatever. Um, but she's also like really fierce and relentless and like, you gotta look, you gotta respect that dedication that she has to her job. Um, (laughs) and and, like, she's just, she's somebody that maybe you want on your team. You know what I mean? Um, but the other thing that I thought too, was that, you know, and look, we've kind of already said this, but, um, she's also just mean, right. And it's just like, it's so much just like personal vendetta in this movie um, as opposed to like Angela in part one, who is the necessary, not the necessary, but the, um, the unfortunate victim of bullying, uh, you know, of, of bullying and people being absolutely terrible. This is, this is where Angela turns the tables and kind of bullies other people. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that, you know, and while it's fun to watch, you know, we all agree on that. Um, there's a certain bit of, of meanness there that I think is, you know, a little ridiculous for people like us, I would say. Um, the other thing that I thought about this movie, too, how no one hear those motherfuckers screaming at, oh. the, at the small ass camp. They're, they're getting fucking like eaten up and stabbed and this, burned alive, <laughs> burned alive, getting thrown into a fucking like porta potty and drown. Like, ain't no one here. Nothing going on this whole time. Like she killing silently. I don't think so. So that that is one part where I was like, that don't make no fucking sense. But then again, it's sleepaway camp too. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny that uh, the two boys dress up as Freddie and Jason, and then uh, she yeah. dresses up as Leatherface. To yes. <laughs> totally funny. And also uh, on that note, a little thing from the, the IMDb trivia, the characters are named after actors associated with quintessential 1980s film culture, uh, members of the Brat Pack, Molly for Molly Ringwald, Sean for Sean Penn, Allie for Ali Sheedy, TC for Tom Cruise, Uncle John for John Hughes, Mayor for Mayor Winningham, Rob for Rob Lowe, Demi for Demi Moore, Leah for Leah Thompson, Brooke for Brooke Shields, Jody for Jody Foster, Anthony for Anthony Michael Hall, Judd for Judd Nelson, Charlie for Charlie Sheen, Phoebe for Phoebe Cates, Emilio for Emilio Estevez, and Diane for Diane Lane. Isn't that ridiculous? That is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I noticed it when they were talking about the titty patrol guys. Yes. Uh, and they're like, oh, Charlie and Emilio. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the Estevez brothers, Hello, actually. There you go. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you know, it definitely has, uh, it's, I, I, there is one moment and it's probably my favorite moment in the entire film. I forget the character's name, but essentially it's later on in the movie where, uh, a one girl comes in to the cabin. It's only her and Angela. And she's basically being like, you know, funny thing is, is I called the shit sisters and their, and their mom said that they were still here. And then I called this person and they said that they were still here. And then I, and all the whole time, Angela is like looking for a weapon and she's like testing out like the no <laughs> yes it's so good and she's like got the boom box and she's like lifting that up to see if that's heavy enough and like ultimately she gets a, a guitar string and strangles her to death but that whole sequence i just was i was cracking up like i don't know angela in this to me you know she's a, definitely kind of our anti-hero um but you kind of root for her at the same time because most of these kids are you know not great <laughs> you know what i mean of course um but you know for some of the reasons she kills people is just because well because you'll tell <laughs> you know what i mean of covering course. her tracks uh you know, mostly they're, they're, like a, the girl who wants to go home and she's like what are you looking for a gun and she's like <laughs> no a drill it just drills into her <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous um there there are a lot of people who do not like this movie um and if you you know if you if you're a letterbox member um like i am a letterbox pro member uh they sponsor this episode no they didn't they should um anyways you can look at a bunch of reviews from people you know a, a lot of the people that i'm friends with are people that you know are friends of the uh, friends of the podcast here um not very liked among our friends i have to say um but uh there's little in the in the reviews here from users about uh, misrepresentation or anything like that, um, which I think is kind of interesting. I'm kind of surprised that this one isn't talked about more within yeah, that context. Yeah, me too. You know? Um, I don't know. I, I was I was the first time I watched this, I was taken aback when she chops off Sean's head because I thought that I know. he was going to be long in this world and he was not God, sean was so cute too what a little cutie and then i love when he in the next scene uh, she's talking to molly and she's like look he's on tv and just because his head <laughs> is in the broken tv um yeah and there i forget i think it's the one girl that i was talking about but she's like what did i do i didn't do anything because <laughs> it's like this is all based on um Angela's weird warped sense of morals and like what she considers you as bad or what you uh and, and by the end of it she's just cleaning up her tracks <laughs> um but yeah uh so, so for you you like this one better than the original you said I do I just think it's more fun you know what I mean like it's not yeah. I I find the original sleepaway camp uh while it's got its shock ending you know and we talked about it god two prides ago i think yeah, yeah um well it's got its merits and it's got some good deaths the overall movie's pretty slow and this one just it just clips along like there's no time for you to get from bored. the get-go from the get-go it does I, I i would totally agree with you on that yeah i you, I, I think i kind of like them both about the same i would say oh, okay you know because i and i i think they kind of pair it would be interesting to actually watch them back to back and like see how that feels because I because I haven't watched part one in, in in quite a long probably not since we watched it for the podcast two years ago, um, so it's it's been a bit, um, and you know it, I I wrote in in the notes about this one you know to your point earlier it's a horror that never seems to end it just keeps going 
Um, there's just there's just so much of it. It just keeps going and going and going and going. And that is, you know, look, I, I think when when horror films, when horror filmmakers find a way to do that, they just they create a machine that just keeps grinding. You know, good on you. You know, it's nice to have a movie where you don't get bored or, you know, yeah. it's nice to have a, I mean, especially it's 80 fucking minutes. You know, we, t- we say this nearly every episode now, but anything that is over 90 minutes, I'm like, oh, you better be fucking good because it is be worth it. <laughs> it's so long anymore. Um, I don't know. Maybe when I was younger, that wasn't that long. But I don't feel like it. I just feel like giving giving anything more than an hour and a half of my life, it better be worth it. And, yeah. um, you know, this one, if it had been 95 minutes or got 100 minutes, way too long for fucking well, And short. I think there there is an opportunity to make this movie longer because yeah, there sure. is a moment where our um, Diane, who plays kind of the other female uh, yeah. counselor, she kind of comes back. And that's like when you kind of see, you know, Emilio, uh, Charlie, Rob and uncle john are all kind of just dead bodies in yeah, in the right. in the in the main cabin or whatever where you could have had an extended scene where you see how they die or like what they do sure. to deserve yeah. that death but i think that's what is smart about the movie is that they understand when the need to kind of have like a longer kill scene and then the need to just kind of like wrap things up you know what i mean yeah, we're in yeah. we're in the ending we're in kind of the um the finale so you got to wrap it up and i think that they I think they're smart to do that in the way that they do because it doesn't feel overly long. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree with you. I think I think if it had gone on any further, if there had been any more kills, if there had been any more extended sequences, I think it just would have become boring after. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, look, the, we're horror fans. People love kills and crazy things. Like, that's part of the game. But also, like, there is a point where it's like, oh, another one. Cool. Right. So I, I think that the the... The whoever balanced the numbers here did well at that. They they have they have an economy of kills. I did think it was funny when they are in the cabin tied up. You can clearly see that <laughs> half of half of the dead bodies are still breathing. <laughs> oh, well, it, it's it's the first thing that you notice. You're like, uh, you're not dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, your throat is moving right now yeah. without a fucking doubt. It was hilarious. And I do think that this is uh, that kind of effect is a uh, just a product of its time because when you would have seen this in the 80s, it would have been on VHS and you probably wouldn't have been able to see that as much. But now that it's been cleaned up and you know digitalized and on Blu-ray and everything, you just notice some of these things that they probably didn't weren't aware that you could see on the original print. <laughs> yeah, and you know too, I mean, I, I just did another quick Google to find any kind of budget information that I can get. And you know, what what, what I rely on for budget information when we put these things together is IMDb Pro, which I would consider to be sort of like the 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 sine qua non when it comes to statistics on this kind of thing. Um, a quick Google though does give me a, a figure of 465,000 for it. I be- I believe this was straight to video if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, you know, 465 for a budget on this, you know, you got a bunch of people to pay. The, the cast is big. You got to pay your crew and you got to buy this and that, whatever. That's not that much money. It's really not. And honestly, some of the effects are pretty good. I mean, yeah, not bad. I thought that when she burns the shit sisters alive, I thought that that was pretty effective. <laughs> <laughs> shit sisters. It's just so stupid. My God, is that dumb? Um, I don't know. I think that maybe I, I think to gather the same sort of enjoyment that we got from this movie you maybe just need to be in the right frame of mind i would agree with you yeah if you're going into this wanting 
a dress to kill, for instance. You're not going to get that. That's not what you're going to get. Um, this is what I call like a party movie. Like you turn yeah. it on when you're like all hanging out and in a group setting and you make fun of it and it's just fun. Um, I mean, I think that that's, come on, I, it, that's gotta be what it is. Right. I mean, with the ridiculous things that Pamela Springsteen is saying on screen, there is no way that they were like, oh yeah, this is completely serious. You know I, what I, I mean? I, yeah. I mean, look, we, we are, we're two people that talk about horror in an elevated way. Let's face the facts, right? We're we're a little elite when when you come down to it. Elitist, I should say. And and I mean that in like a good way. Don't get me wrong here. But like I, I think you're right. We, I, I think sometimes we we all everyone on horror Twitter loves to hem and haw about this and that. And I'm like, it's sleepaway camp too. <laughs> like, Unhappy campers. Yeah, yeah, right. This is this is not the place for an academic paper. Do you know what I mean? Like, or I, I don't know. You know, look, if if that gets your goat and that makes you happy, by, by all means, write write it. I'll read it. I promise I will. But I think for me and you, it's it's not. I, <laughs> I mean, just, this movie. I mean, the last line I have in my notes. This is. To, I'm too dumb to drink and too fat to fuck. Like, what yeah. kind of a movie do you right. think you're in? <laughs> Howdy, partner. God, I love it. <laughs> she says it at the end. It's just so fucking funny. God, it's hilarious. That's, that is the only one thing that uh, like breaks my bone or whatever in in this in this movie is the very very end. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I want to see what happened to Molly, and we don't ever get that. And if you've ever seen three, they don't really talk about it. Yeah, fair so, enough. I, I just think know, it's, I, it's a very abrupt ending, and I it always takes me out of it for a second. I, I, I think it's just, it, they just had to end it. And, yeah. and it's just, you know, here's the ending. <laughs> Bye. See and, ya. I, and I will say that I know that they filmed two and three back to back. So I think oh, that they... I, no, I did not know that. that that's so interesting. So I think that they kind of knew that there was going to be... Well, no, they did know that there was going to be a third one. So you sure. can't really kill off Angela. But in this decade of the 80s, you can't really kill off your final girl either. So I think that was kind of their way of like marrying the two. Um, but if you've ever seen three, it's even more ridiculous than two. You know, I didn't know if you know this, but there there is a website for the Sleepaway Camp movies officially. It's called it's just sleepawaycampmovies.com. It's the official site. Oh um, you can no. go there and and have a look into um into all five sleepaway camps, one, two, and three, return to sleepaway camp and sleepaway reunion 3D. Um, and it's kind of cool because like they they've got the original Fangoria article for oh, Sleepaway cool. Camp Two that you can look at, and it's like you know scanned or whatever. And there's like behind the scenes footage and and whatever. There's there's some articles on it. It's a cool thing to go check out. I, I didn't know that it existed until I just fucking you know Googled it. Um, but there's there's a lot of cool stuff in there. You should check it out. Yeah, I'm sad that uh, Pamela Springsteen will not talk about this. Um, she's kind of famously tight-lipped about this performance um, so and weird. kind of depicting Angela. And I just wish that she would do some interviews and be celebrated because this 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 role is so over the top, and she gives it gives it her all for God's sakes. And you know. I, I, I don't know if we'll get a lot of hate mail for this or whatever, but I think Sleepaway Camp 2 is so fun. And why? Well, I, I mean, it is fun. Yeah, I just, I, I like like what you said. A lot of people just really like to hate on this movie. And I, I don't know. I just but don't you know get what? it. 
I mean, go ahead. And, I mean, look, that, that's what makes the world go around, man. We all we all got our own little, you know. I like cheese, and you like a, you know, something that, that's bologna. not cheese, <laughs> bologna. And you know, sometimes we put them together, and all oh, we got a sandwich. Let's put some mustard on it. You know what I mean? Like that's fine. Like, I, I, you know, it's just another chance for me to to blow on about this. I just I'm not into that whole like horror Twitter like I am the only voice of truth on this period and that's it I just that's not fun yeah that's well Maddie what is your final thought on Sleepaway Camp two and what did you give it out of seven stripes I said it's really nuts this movie and I gave it a five <laughs> I love I love when I saw your I saw your note in here before and I was like oh okay. <laughs> All right, I said it's outrageous, stupid fun, problematic, yes, but what a delight. Um, and I gave it a five. We had the same ratings for both films in this episode, lo and behold. Now, folks, that is our last uh, uh, movie of the um, of the episode, but we'll be right back with a fun game called Queer Eye for the Horror Guy, or a woman, or a woman, or whoever you are. And we're back with our final game for this episode, episode 79, Pride 2022. And it's called Queer Eye for the Horror Guy, or Girl, or whoever you are, okay? Now listen, this is a pretty, um, well, here's how the game works. Uh, Usually, we would talk about two films, and we would use this game to try to make those films, like, queer, basically. So maybe we'll insert a character, maybe we'll change a character's orientation, maybe we'll do this, maybe we'll do that. For this one, um, where you know there are some issues of, of transgender, there are transgender issues within within each of these films. Um, we're going to talk about maybe how we might make them a little bit more appropriate, right? So let's go ahead and talk about it, Andrew. So, <clears throat> excuse me for mine. I am going to make Nancy Allen's character in Dress to Kill bisexual. Um, oh, okay. I think that that would be really interesting, given that they give her so much. Um, sexual freedom within the movie already i think it would have been very interesting to just give her an extra dynamic of she's an escort for both men and women or maybe she has a girlfriend on the side that ups the ante a little bit when it comes to this killer that's stalking her and it gives a little bit more credence to her sexual awakening as a sex worker so i'm gonna make nancy allen a bisexual queen damn not bad um you know for me in sleepaway camp too i'm gonna make sean gay um, simply because he is sexy. We want him to be. <laughs> yeah, and, and it would be fun if he were like caught having sex with somebody or like touching a penis or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think another way that we can make this more appropriate is, you know, just saying like, all right, so Angela is, you know, a little, look, she's a little off a rocker in this one. Maybe in Sleepaway Camp 3, which also I have not watched. I'm just going to point that out. But maybe in Sleepaway Camp 3, maybe Angela becomes a bit of the hero. Wouldn't that be interesting? And sort of turns it around and finds a little bit of redemption. That could be cool. Hmm. 
okay. <laughs> I'm not going to try to uh, shed any light on what Sleepaway Camp 3 is about, but <laughs> I will watch it eventually. Anyways, folks, that is episode 79 of Fraggy the 13th Horror Podcast, your favorite podcast in the land. Now, we're going to do a couple of uh, quick things here before we close out. First off, we are a member of Dread Podcast Network. You can learn more about Dread Podcast Network by simply Googling it or putting it into your podcast uh, you know, aggregator and find some more. Uh, like Mick Garris, for example, or the Boulay Brothers, or Kim and Kat, um, or Girl That's Scary. I mean, you name it, there's some great shows on there. Um, so check out our sister podcast on Dread Podcast Network. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can call us on the Friday hotline. That's 872-208-3119. If you want to support Friday the 13th, you absolutely can. You can become a patron on Patreon, or you can buy our merchandise. There's some fun things there. Maybe for Pride you want it. Um, if you go to Friday13.com, that's Friday13.com slash support, you'll find both of those resources right there. I mean, who doesn't want a, a shirt that says Suka Deek on it for yeah. pride? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck, man? Get one already. And finally, as always, we encourage you to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice. It really does help us out, especially on Apple Podcasts, because that's, let's face it, the uh, the leader of the land at this moment. Yeah. Um, but Matty, during this Pride Month, we should encourage all of our listeners to get, get slayed. slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.